This is the Houston Football Show, brought to you by the Prime Social Poker Club and Inside Edge, with your hosts, Aaron Wilson and Jason Braddock. Welcome into the Houston Football Show. I'm Jason Braddock, and with me, as always, is Texans insider for KPRC2 and Sports Talk 790, Aaron Wilson. Aaron, how was the bye week? It was great. It was good to you know, get a chance to step away for a little bit. Uh, had a little medical procedure. I got my triceps tendon reattached. I have had a, a couple back issues, and this was related. I, I yeah, you played her. You played her. Yeah. You caught on the on the media combine. Uh, Frank Ross was putting everybody through the punt return, whereas for just to kind of illustrate for those listening, uh, where they have the punt machine, the jugs machine, where it's arched up, shooting high arc. I don't, I don't remember if it's 40, 50 yards, how far away, and it comes down. Aaron got out there in the mix and caught it right there called it played injured and then a week later went ahead and had the surgery so i loved that you played injured aaron and then had the surgery afterwards yeah it, i think it was if i'm recalling correct something of an over the shoulder i had to <laughs> nice, nice. It and then catch it i the think shoulder. you were yeah i think I, you were blindfolded right? uh, i think <laughs> it was one hand <laughs> i dropped my my phone fell out of my uh jacket pocket and Frank picked it up. But I think Frank might've been there just, he knew I was hurt. I think he was watching me just in case I well, took a stumble, but uh, yeah, Frank Ross, great guy. I thought this event, I don't want to waste too much time on it, but appreciate Omar Everett, everyone from PR, Lindsay, they did such oh, a good job. Well put together, especially for the I've been there, I've been there, watched Lovey yes. Smith, Frank Ross, Pep Hamilton, uh, DJ, you know, me was the, Best performer, uh, but you did a great job with all of your tweets illustrating who did well. All of your followers will uh, know all about that. But, yeah, it was a lot of fun, and I really appreciate them having it. And this is something that never had been done before in Texas right. PR history. And uh, I think it also it gave a little reminder. This is a hard game to play. So, you know, <laughs> nice. commenting nice. and writing, you know, maybe keep that in mind. And – I think they were somewhat impressed. You know, there was some, there was some good efforts out there. Uh, hard triers, as they say, but uh, nice. you know, there were some good athletes. But anyway, I, I digress. Uh, we have a lot of Texan stuff to get into. We do, and this is uh, season one, episode thirteen. I can't believe it's been going on that long. But me and Aaron kicked this off, obviously, with our guys from iLogic Media producing every single episode. Mark Larson and Jonathan Dangerco. We appreciate all they do every episode. But yes, this is our thirteenth episode of the first season. If you're new to the Houston Football Show, Aaron Wilson and myself will be back. Every single Tuesday, 52 weeks around, this is a football city. Uh, love to see the Astros go win another World Series and this young Rockets uh, team kicking off their season. 
plenty of time to support them, but football is year-round. Year-round is football season. And we'll have it for you every Tuesday, 8 p.m. Central Time, where we use uh, Aaron Wilson's inside information, an analytical look, my background in sports talk radio and evaluation to blend it all together. And what we're blending together today is on the rested Texans for the upcoming Raiders. But before we can get into that Raiders match, Aaron, you have had a little bit of uh, breaking news here lately with uh, the latest on Jackie Easterby. And I guess what I'm most curious about is the timing, it being in season, uh, but during the bye. Right. Yeah. You know, one source said to me it was time. Another source said this had been building for months and this was a direction that was expected possibly to take place in the offseason not during the season. And yeah, I think what I can say is that I think he tried to do his job, but in some cases, especially perception, it was like he had too many jobs, had his hand in too many piles. And that was the biggest criticism of him. I think he really is truly well-intentioned. I think at times a little misunderstood. Nothing is ever as black and white as some people have made it. I also think, and I am not, being a Jack Easterby apologist, I think that he could have done many things better. But some of the dancing on his grave has been right. a it bit is. much. I don't want to name any sure. names, uh, you know, for, for Texans Twitter. But I just think that, you know, when someone has some misfortune, they lose their job, whether it's a Bill O'Brien or a Brian Gain or a Jack Easterby or a Rick Smith, what is the joy in, like, taking the person down? They've already – you know, and they're obviously they're wealthy and well compensated and the severances and all right. that. But the same thing is they love what they do. They want to be in that job. They didn't want to lose their job. So to me, I just don't see it. it's like a blood sport almost. You know, these are people. Uh, they have families. You know, he has a, a wife and kids. Uh, he got death threats. That is true. Wow. Uh, during the Watson trade request. Uh, so, you know, uh, you know, he. I've never really seen someone be attacked the way he was like the sports illustrated thing. And a lot of it, you know, is people mad about office politics and all that stuff. What I would say is from him and I'm big on like, how are you with me? My interactions with him, but I don't play for the Texans. I don't work for the Texans. Sure. And I'm objective. And obviously I take something from, well, you know, you're in the media. I always had good interactions with the guy. Yeah. I always felt like, you know, I, you know, felt like, okay, the guy's, being a straight shooter, plane dealer with me. And I didn't have a problem with him, but I'm not the McNairs. And they said they mutually agreed to part ways with him. I would say that's a politically correct way to put it. I I think. Was this more of a house cleaning or did something transpire recently? It's a termination. It's, you know, they're letting him go. That's what it is. Okay. But, okay. I, know, I understand that. I didn't know if something just transpired recently because it could have happened in I the would, preseason or before the during like, the offseason. What I can say is that it came to a head. It was something that was probably going to happen in the offseason or he would have the opportunity to go look for a new job. Sure. Uh, that okay. type of thing. And instead it accelerated. And the biggest thing is that it's they want to keep it all about the team and do everything they can to support Lovey Smith. And they don't want any distractions. They don't want anything behind the scenes that they think might be, you know, anything in dispute. And, you know, like I sort of try to allude to is, man, I'm not putting it well enough. Sometimes you have to stay in your lane. And this was an example of kind of like where you already kind of, you know, hadn't been in your lane 
on some other things. Your job description had changed dramatically. Okay. It was yeah. in personnel before. He wasn't meddling in personnel. I can tell you that it was, you know, just kind of some internal stuff. And that's what led, had this come to a head. And okay. That, yeah, that's fair enough. I don't want to put you, you know, put you out there too much. I think that's uh, more than fair enough. Appreciate you peeling back the curtain a little it's bit. Nothing uh, that, it's nothing that interesting, I would say. Yeah, it's fair enough. Uh, before we move on briefly, what changes, what changes, if anything, now in the organization? I would say really nothing. Okay. You know, they will have some other of his responsibilities in terms of scheduling and supervising sports science and team development. Team development, a lot of that is things that Dylan Thompson does in yeah. terms of character, in terms of some of the, the Bible study, uh, some of the things the players do in the community. And so they have someone for all that stuff. You know, it had been a minute since he had negotiated contracts or really the the last most recent thing was doing some restructures, which, Mm -hmm. you know, is is kind of simple math. A lot of it's just like if he had the relationship with the person to do the restructure with in terms of the representation. But, yeah, he had done some of that. uh, But a lot of that now is handled by Nick Casario and Andrew Brown. And a lot of people don't know Andrew, but Andrew – really smart guy works behind the scenes works very hard uh comes from a financial sector and has been with the organization and they've quietly they never really announced anything but he's had uh some little, little bits of bumps in his uh you know title and okay, that type nice of, uh, uh, yeah. nice little nice nice little tidbit there i think they'll be fine i, I think yeah they, I'm, I'm, I'm sure they will be yeah, um, I, I, I would well, say you know, he had some very close relationships with players uh you know i it took the players, I can tell you this, tidbit, completely by surprise. Really? None of them saw it coming. They were shocked that this uh, happened. Any, any discussions needing to be had in the building? I know, uh, I believe Brandon Cooks and some other players. And um, yeah, close to him. Yeah, we're very close to him. Yeah, absolutely. The players adjust really quickly. It's very much, uh, you have to, you know, you have to move on. Like when someone gets cut or mm-hmm. hurt. And so it's, they're really, they are already really, I would say, trained for this type of event. So, so these guys, things happen and you move on. And well, let's let's go ahead and move on from it. Let's put it to I think here moving forward, you know, I think enough's been said about Jack Easterby. You mentioned it. Uh, I think it was fair what you said earlier that, you know, people want their pound of flesh. And I think it's gotten to a point where almost and social media has helped ignite this. But there's just this mob mentality. And we said what we needed to say where we disagreed with some of his decisions and everything else. When the man got fired, he's out of his job. Like you said, I think you compared it to dancing on his grave. Um, I just, you know, I, I feel like move on. You got your pound of flesh. He's out of his position. And now moving forward, I think the only thing I need to hear about Jack Easterby in Texans history is the footnote and the role he played to get Nick Casero here. And I, I don't think that can be overstated. Uh, I think a lot of people mocked it, uh, present company included. And by present company, I mean me, <laughs> you yeah. know, mo- mocked the way Casero came about. But if Casario ends up bringing the city of Houston their first ever Super Bowl, then, yeah, I mean, they'll, he'll he'll remain a footnote in making that um, come to fruition. Is that fair? Yeah. Really quick, yeah, because sure. I think it's an important point. And, and some people, you know, didn't uh, – took issue with my tweet about the legacy. 
the legacy part of it is it's very complex and it's con it's controversial, right? It's complicated his time here. He did not have a big football background. Right. He was being an interim general manager. That seems amazing to many. He didn't really do anything good or bad once he became once he took over for O'Brien. Like he avoided a a lopsided trade offer from the Green Bay Packers for Will Fuller. He kept Fuller, and then Fuller winds up getting suspended anyway. But my point is, he negotiated Nick Casera's contract. He was able to talk Nick into they, he was on the airplane with Cal to go get him, and they got this deal done. And he did have an instrumental role in convincing his friend Nick to come to Houston. Right. That's and I, I think I, that's yeah. it. That's the footnote. Uh, and you compare it to, uh, you know, his legacy with the Texans moving forward. Yeah, everything I, else, everything else is water under the bridge. At, go ahead. Right. Last thing on it. I know some other media members have said, well, they wanted him. They've been trying to get him. He wasn't convinced. Yes, there was a tampering. Yes, there was this. He wasn't chomping at the bit to come to Houston. He had to be talking. Right. right. And you had to give him. Do you know how much six million is for a rookie GM? Never mm -hmm. been GM. They had to overpay. They had to give him the keys to the castle, total control, pick the yeah. coach, all of those things for him to come, and the assurances that from Jack that it would be good if he came. So yeah, yeah, and, and once again, you know. I'm not glorifying Jack Easterby, but I'm just saying the past is the past. The man's lost his job. Everything, you know, I was one of the first in the uh, city of Houston after I read a Greg Bedard article to say, hey, this guy wrote this article. He's familiar with him from New England, and this is what's transpiring in the midst of it. And I was and people were telling me I was beating a dead horse, and they're like, why do you keep talking about this Jack Easterby character? Then it transpired. To me, this is an old, old story, and the only part of it, you know, is just the end of the story, except that footnote. If Casario brings a title, anybody associated with the Texans and tied into bringing them their first ever Super Bowl championship, yes, they will be remembered. Right now, you might be too emotional as a fan and caught up in the uh, moment, but once a first ever Super Bowl title comes to the city of Houston, yeah, things wounds heal quickly. All right, before we get on to the Raiders, Aaron, and get to our first break, um, where we got to catch up the roster real quick. A couple guys that have been on IR. You, we know that you talked about Mario Addison coming back, which he has since done. A couple other guys. You can bring back eight guys, or, or it can be a guy can come back up to twice, too, and count it. But up to eight times, guys can come back from IR. They've only used Addison up until this week. Uh, catch us up on Tegan Quitariano. I tore that up. I'll let you say it better. Uh, Christian Harris and Tavier Thomas. Right. Updates on all of them. Tegan Kuaturiano, the rookie tight end from Oregon State, yes. he practiced. He looked pretty good at practice, and they designated him for return. Uh, so he his 21-day window to be activated has started. Normally what happens is once they start the window, it happens within you know 7 to 14 days. So if this is his ramp-up week and then next week he's officially activated, that wouldn't be surprising to me. Brevin Jordan, who is not on injured reserve, they've been carrying him as a unhealthy, inactive on the roster. So he's got an ankle injury, and he practiced. So he expects to be back. And then with Tavier Thomas, they have not designated him for return yet. 
everything I'm hearing is that it's not this week, that it's the following week. So it was always is that more of roster flexibility because they have talent and those guys aren't safe. And I don't think any of their secondary safe if if they move on from anyone and try to slide to a practice squad or something, especially with the wealth. Um you know, how, how valuable that position is probably better stated. Right. I mean, at some point you do have to part ways with someone. Right. They might go down. So are they just kicking the can down the road? Like he could come back, but they're just kicking it down the road. Cause they need Christian Harris and Tegan more. He needs to practice and okay. he needs time. I mean, he's only been doing the, they let you do this, but he's, you know, he does the, the flex part. He runs a little okay. bit. I mean, he, he needs time. Yeah, no, that's that's absolutely legitimate, uh, especially when you haven't practiced since August. So, yeah, he's missed a lot of time. It was a quadriceps injury. And the problem mm. is when you're running 18, 19 miles per hour per yeah. GPS data and you have to stop and start. And you just don't know what is the amount that the, the quad can handle when it nice. fires and you don't want to have a setback. So you you go slow and. Hamstring. Uh, yeah, I think you illustrate that perfectly. Well yeah, said. It's a, it's it's a patience kind of thing with him, and he's a very valuable player that they love. So, when he's healthy, they can't wait to get him out there. Lovey is a big fan of his, but okay. it's, it's not this week. Okay. All right. Good to hear. All right. A couple things for our first break here. Just a minute break here uh, that we have a couple spots from our title sponsors. We'll have that and be quickly back into the show. But before we get into that, uh, looking at this roster, I want a couple more uh, questions real quick, Aaron, if you don't mind. On this roster, a 69-man roster, do you see them looking to add talent outside of that 69-man roster? Uh, And two other things on this roster before we hit that first break. Also, Rex Burkhead, um, 12 straight weeks now. They've had the bye week early. There's benefits to that, but the downside, you've got 12 straight weeks. Well, is he going to pop his head out and forecast 12 more weeks of being a receiving back? And also at wide receivers, Tyler Johnson going to get more looks at wide receiver three. I know it's a lot on you, but just wanted to put that up and catch up the entire fan base on where the roster's at. Right. They had not been the first thoughts in my mind. My anticipation for Rex is that he will continue to be the backup running back, primary backup, pass catching back, and he's well suited to the role. And I don't see that changing. I don't see him getting carries generally. I think he'll get a few touches here and there. And just if it's in the flow of the game, then he'll play. But yeah, I don't anticipate like a major ramp up. I think it's going to be the Damian Pierce show. It's going to be a lot more of Damian Pierce. What we saw in Jacksonville, mm-hmm. that's just a preview of the kind of football they're going to play. Oh, wow. I want to get into that a little bit more later because I got I, I, I don't want to share too much on it, but I'm curious to hear from you if you think like that's the plan right now at one, three and one. But if they win the next couple or lose the next couple, I'm one of the trajectory of how they use Pierce and a couple other player changes. So we'll save that for a little bit later in the show. But that wide receiver position, you feel like um, Tyler Johnson starts to get more looks with Dorsett's struggles and uh, Chris Moore coming back or, you know, dealing with injuries throughout the season. I, mean, I think as long as Chris is healthy, then he's going to be in the role. He he's the in. guy. Yeah. Okay. It's just a matter of like Chris having an injury. So, yeah, the hope is that they get Chris back out there. Chris was playing well, too. Uh, Chris is kind of like, I don't know about underrated, but, I mean, he is real steady and reliable. I mean, he's, you know, he gets it done. 
Eight. Uh, last year, he definitely was 21 on 22 targets, catching 21 of those. This year, a couple uh, drops, but it hasn't just been him. Wide receiver position with seven drops this year for the Texans. Uh, we're going to hit a quick 60-second break. Hang on throughout the break. We'll come back, hear this word from our sponsor. We'll get back in here from Aaron on 1-4 and four Raiders against the 1-3 and three Texans and expectations in the AFC South going uh, forward. Houston Football Show back after this. Come out and enjoy Houston's longest standing poker room with a stellar reputation for class and quality Prime Social Poker Club. At Prime, you'll enjoy an upscale social environment, fully stocked bar, gourmet dining, pool tables, dozens of poker tables, and many other fun games throughout the venue. You can also join their over 21,000 members with a lifetime membership for only $10. What are you waiting for? Get into the game. Come join us at Prime Social Poker Club. Inside Edge was founded over 30 years ago as a data and analytics provider for Major League Baseball clubs. If you've seen the movie Moneyball, then you know Inside Edge. They were part of the data and analytics revolution in professional sports. Fans can now have access to the same insights and analytics used by pro teams for free at MyInsideEdge.com. My Inside Edge is a destination for sports bettors and daily fantasy players where they can find matchups, specific insights, and projections to help make informed betting and fantasy decisions. Again, that's MyInsideEdge.com. All right, we're back at it here on the Houston Football Show. Jason Braddock and Aaron Wilson, like we are every Tuesday, 8 p.m. Central Time, 52 weeks a year. And this time, coming off of the bye, we look at the Texans going out to Las Vegas at 1-3-1, and taking on the 1-4, though, excuse me, the 1-4 Raiders. Do you believe we see a different Davis Mills on the road this week? We've seen throughout this season, uh, early first couple weeks, uh, we haven't seen those same struggles in the last couple of sideline throws. And some of that's playing more to his strengths and managing uh, managing how they play him and the weapons around him. But do you think we see a different Davis Mills on the road out in Las Vegas? A gambling, go for broke, roll the dice, nice. push all the chips in the middle of the table. Right. Sorry. I don't see it. Same I D Mills. Safe Mills. Maybe playing the pass line a little bit, you know, hoping for some hits, you know, better red or black. Uh, <laughs> I got you. I, I don't know. I, I think what we saw last game was that they could win with this formula. He was the game manager. Right. He made a few throws. He was not going for a lot of high degree of difficulty. There were a few contested things with Nico Collins where Nico made a play. Yeah, absolutely. It was a few nice throws, like the one to Jordan Akins. Mm-hmm. He made a couple throws. He, he did, right. and he was high percentage. They didn't really – he had plenty of time to throw for the most part. He didn't really challenge the Jags. They were careful, and they ran the ball. And yep. they played defense, you know, points-wise, great, and turnover-wise, great. Yeah, there were some yards, and there were some, you know, some gaps there. Like there always seemed to be uh, for them as a run defense. Mm-hmm. That said – they made some strides as a defense. They picked off Trevor Lawrence, who was the top pick of the draft. He's throwing interceptions. Davis Mills outplayed him. Yeah. You can say what you want about, oh, we need big numbers. 
I don't care. Turnovers is the thing, and the win is the what matters. That's acceptable. You could start with that. I feel like they got they simplified it. Yeah, and, and that was supposed to be the plan coming into the season. Now you said something, Aaron, about you know their struggles to stop the run. Josh Jacobs, you know, coming into the season, many uh, people, uh, including myself, thought we might see a New England Patriots running back by committee with all the backs they had out there in Las Vegas. Uh, but they moved on from Kenyon Drake, uh, you know, so on and so on. Uh, long story said, this guy's been a bell cow, bell cow back and he's playing stellar in a contract year, if I'm not mistaken. Do the Texans make adjustments or do we see another big day from Josh Jacobs this week? I would say that, you know, with Josh, you know, they will load up a bit. The problem is you have other weapons. Absolutely. Face Devontae Adams, who is eligible to he's play. He's pretty good. Yep, yeah, just a little bit. <laughs> yeah. And the reason he's eligible is because this is a legal matter because he is facing a citation of misdemeanor for shoving the uh, photographer on the sideline. So okay. for that, that's why he's not immediately, there won't be any action. He'll be out there Sunday. So they'll, this will be another good matchup for Derek Stingley Jr. And if they slide anything and Steve Nelson, what they're going to have to deal with, and obviously they're better equipped than they were when they had Vernon Hargraves trotted out there against him. Uh, and Vernon's leading the NFL and fantasy points allowed two years in a row. They, you know, it's still a tough matchup. I mean, Carr is an above-average quarterback. Right. That was a good ball. And they're not a great team by any stretch, but you have some people you have to deal with. You have Carr, you have Jacobs, you have Adams. You have to block Max Crosby. You have Perryman in the middle. He's a very tough linebacker. They're fortunate that Nate Hobbs is out. Nate, yeah, absolutely. For Lovey Smith in Illinois, and the Texans were very interested in him. He got drafted a little higher than they thought, and you know, I think if he had slid, the Texans were going to pick him. Mm. And yeah, they were really, really interested in him. This was uh, kind of a thing that I kept hearing about, uh, very concrete information before and after the draft. And yeah, Nate Hobbs could have been a Texan, but you know. There's still a lot of guys that could have been a Texan, right? That happens every year. Right. But he was one of them that was on their list, and it didn't work out. So I just think it's a difficult matchup because the Raiders are a talented team that hasn't really put it together. You don't want to be the team that they put it all together against. They're capable of winning. They're capable of easily winning this game in some ways. I mean, they can. They have enough talent. But I think the Texans, because they are competitive and they play hard, they're going to be in this game, and they – have built a little bit of confidence with their first win. We'll see. They yeah, just they, wanna, that's hard like you do. said. Like you said, they, they they'll be in this game. They've been in every game. Um in the AFC, Aaron, only four teams with uh you know with more than three wins after you know headed into week seven. Can Houston compete in the AFC South with all the parity that we see specifically in the AFC? And, and more specifically, let me state it this way. Next two games, they're one, three, and one. Win the next two, you're back at three, three, and one. And in the AFC South, I think that's contention. Can they win this game in Las Vegas? I'm not asking for your prediction. I'm just asking, you know, your assessment, do you think they can win this game at Vegas and then take care of business at home against the Titans and get back in this AFC South hunt? Yes, they could win this game, and a lot will hinge on Davis Mills duplicating the lack of turnovers uh, 
them defending the run, not getting crushed by Devontae Adams the way they did when he was playing for the Packers. Right. Rodgers throwing it to him. And the other formula is Damian Pierce has to either score or get them in position to score. And so that that's asking a lot, right? Right. But they just did all those things. And I think Jacksonville does have talent. I think we can all agree. Yeah, Jacksonville, maybe they haven't figured it all out, but they have some ability. They have some they have some athletes. I, I think they're capable of competing. I could also would I be surprised if they, you know, didn't win or weren't close? No. Wouldn't surprise me, but something it's got a little feeling about it that maybe the Texans are in the mix on this one. But it's okay. gonna take I mean, the biggest matchup to me is what they do about Adams. And they're going to have to have a good plan. Do they surprise them? And I'm just putting you on the spot just because you asked that. It popped in my mind. So I'm going to ask you for our listeners. Uh, do they surprise the Raiders and Devontae Adams and put Stingley and more man? I'll say they're probably playing Stingley 65, 70% zone. And uh, I think that's great on the job training for the future to make them a complete corner. Uh, that being said, with this game being so important to help get back in that hunt in AFC South, do you think they surprised the Raiders a little bit and let Stingley man up one of the top receivers in the league? And, and more man, 50-50. Let's say 50-50 split. Oh, it wouldn't surprise me if he has a lot of man-to-man opportunities. I oh, think that wow. He, yeah, there's a lot of belief in this kid. Yes. I think that this is why they drafted him. They're going to let him go out there, and he's going to have a lot of chances to cover Devontae Adams. Man, yeah, I'd love to see him. I'd love to see him at least bump that man coverage up from 30, 35% to at least 50% plus this week against Devontae Adams. I don't think they have the film of that. And I think Stanley, uh, excuse me, Stingley, when he's got those man reps, even against some of the top receivers, he's been in their hip pocket. He's been shutting them down. I trust him in the moment. I think that could give him the competitive advantage to really focus on taking Josh Jacobs away, too. But uh, most of the Texans' losses to this point, we talked about them being in the hunt in these games. Most of these losses are 50-50 games, and that's basically what the NFL wants. You know, they've been for years wanting the parity, and they've got it. 2022 is parity unlike I've seen before. And these 50-50 games, the Texans, they've allowed them to go the other way, most of the time shooting themselves in the foot, most of the time late in the fourth quarter. Uh, What adjustments can they make to get over the hump? I know it's just the simple stuff, but what adjustments during this bye week? could they have made to really get over the hump? And are you buying that these 50-50 games can continue to start going their way like it did in Jacksonville? Generally what happens during the bye week, it, the coaching staff has to work and personnel and you do a lot of self-scouting. Oh, nice. And okay. players are off. And, you know, you, you exercise, you rest up, you see family, all of those things. And then you come back to work as they did on Monday. Then they were off on Tuesday. And they'll have the game plan installed and they'll get to work. So Monday is like a walkthrough and they'll have the three days and, you know, they'll prepare for the Raiders. But generally is the bye week like this extra game plan? It is for the coaching staff, but the players, I'm sure they take a look. They are aware of the Raiders, but generally you need to take your bye week. You need to take time off. And that's what most players do is they take 100%. that time off and then they get plugged in. And you get ready. But, I mean, you know the personnel. You know the matchup. And it's a difficult matchup. And it is a road game. It is Las Vegas. And all those things. I don't think that's distracting. I think all of the trips are sort of similar, right? You go somewhere. 
you stay in a hotel, you have dinner, you have a lot of meetings and, you know, you go from there. All right. Well, that's Aaron Wilson. I'm Jason Braddock. And you're listening to episode 13 of season one of the Houston football show year round every Tuesday, 8 p.m. Central Standard Time. You can get your Houston Texans fix with the Texans insider and myself, Jason Braddock. All right. Before we get one more segment with Aaron Wilson, get his prediction prediction on what's going to happen in Vegas. Let's take time out here and let me tell you about one of our title sponsors, Prime Social Poker Club. Now, Prime is Houston's longest standing poker club and they they have a stellar reputation for class and quality. If you've never been able to go out to uh, Prime, which is located conveniently right here in Houston at 7801 Westheim, go check it out. You'll see an upscale social environment with a fully stacked bar, gourmet dining, pool tables, dozens of poker tables. They have a, a, a cash game table there in the back where they do a stream, live stream every Friday, just like the World Series of Poker. It's a great atmosphere. Over 21,000 members. You can become a lifetime member too for only $10. Daily, nightly tourneys. They got potluck Omaha, PLO, you got no limit, hold them, whatever you want to get into. Uh, happy hour daily as well. Go get in the game at Prime. That's 7801 Westheimer Prime Social Poker Club. All right, Jason Braddock, Aaron Wilson, Houston Football Show, back in. We got Aaron for one more segment, so let's look. We know the Texans fans are salivating, looking at, oh, that Browns pick right at six, Texans pick at fourth, and they're on that verge of going completely all in. If the Texans lose the next two games, going into that trade deadline following week eight, November 1st, Tuesday, uh, 3 p.m. Central Times for, for our listeners out there. Do you see the Texans becoming seller, sellers and no nobody with any big return anything, but to kind of save some cap, roll it over for next year, and also uh, add a little collateral in the draft? I don't know if, like, say, uh, some sort of salary dump it really helps them much, you know, like, like who are the guys you could move? You know, are people I got that a little bit later, but I mean, mostly those vet DMs, if you, if you lose the next two and you're one, five and one, Aaron, does it matter what players that you, you have out there playing? I mean, you're going to start making the switch to the youth, developing them more. It'll, it'll suddenly you know, happen whether they say we, we're doing right. 100%. You know, I will say this, they are trying their best to win with the play. They're, with the players they have, they're not like playing guy. The the best lineup that they could put out there, I believe they put it out there. This is the best roster that they could buy, and you know, it looks like they've drafted well. They're if health permitted, Harris will be out there, Christian Harris, and I expect him out there soon. I think this is the week for him. A lot of people. Oh are wow, nice! You're bearing the lead there. Say it loud. Put it. Let it come out your chest. You think this is the week for Christian Harris? Close last week. I think he's going to get my expectation. Oh, nice, nice. It's getting there. It's, it's going to be a little exciting. They're getting fresh early by the benefit of it. Uh, you know, getting these guys that were a little banged up, getting them back, some of the guys back from IR designated for return. They're fresh when these other teams are banged up and haven't had that extra little break. So if they can get these next two, they're back in the hunt. But, Aaron, it's got to start with the first one. That's this week in Vegas. It's time. Aaron Wilson's prediction, he predicted they would knock off the Jags. Is he predicting they knock off the Raiders out in Vegas? What say you, Aaron? They lose a close game to Las Vegas. Oh, I set you up so well. But you no, you got to go. You got to go with what you think. You're saying you've got the uh, – you think they lose a close one in Vegas. I do. Okay. 
All right. I don't think I paid you off last week for the um, the bet I lost on Jacksonville. So I got to take care of you tomorrow on that. I'll get you taken care of. Aaron had Jacksonville. Let's go a third straight week. You know, okay. let's go a third straight week here. I'm going to go Texans. I think they, they've been so close throughout in all of these 50-50 games. I know it's on the road and how Mills has struggled there. I think they understand their personnel a little bit more. I think they understand the Raiders from Josh McDaniels and front office guys they're real familiar with. I, I'm comfortable with it. Let's go week three. I'm on the other side this week. Give me the Texans. All right, you take the Texans, and we'll we'll do our usual bet, uh, which I couldn't do the Raising Canes, but I did get you the Chick-fil-A. So that I actually that. changed my diet, so we're going to have to figure something up. Aaron, I'm actually cutting out, you know, really at 43. I'm really focusing on my health now. Yep, I'm on my salad. way of – have a salad? Hey. Okay, okay, yeah, I'll do, I'll do a salad. Yeah, I'm not – Pub, they, they're probably doing pretty good already, but uh, Raising Canes or Chick-fil-A – Call Jason. There you go. Let's, let's get Houston let's football get show at Gmail. There you go. All right, Aaron, before we let you go, you headed out to Vegas. I have to ask what happens in Vegas with Aaron Wilson. Does it stay in Vegas? Yeah, I wish I was more exciting. I think I'm going to relax. Uh, I'm definitely going to watch a lot of college football. I think that should be fun with all the televisions and yeah, there's some good food out there. I'm staying in Red Rock. Uh, it should be nice. Stay off the strip. Uh, just uh, a little quieter out there. And uh, they've got a really good steakhouse, I've heard, called T-Bones. So I might okay. check. And with my okay. my left arm bad, I might have to get a chop steak. Maybe uh, see if they'll chop it up for me in the kitchen. Slice well, it up. You, you and all of the Texas media that travels on the road gang, uh, Y'all enjoy y'all's trip out there. Be safe and don't come back with a black eye and a baby. No, no, never. <laughs> I, I've, I've watched it. Um, I've watched I the hangover. Uh, I know how it goes. I've never gone to Vegas myself, but I've watched oh, it. And, I, and I, I treat the hangover as a historical movie that just tells you what happens in Vegas. So I understand what's going on out there. So if you come back with a black eye and a baby around your chest, I'm not going to judge you, Aaron. Your wife might. I'm not. That's on me, but yeah, I, I, will, I will not embarrass this podcast. Or <laughs> I appreciate it. I appreciate it. That's Aaron Wilson, Houston Texans insider for KPRC2 and Sports Talk 790. Thank you for your time again, Aaron. Thank you. All right, before we get into it, we got the second half of the show. Got another uh, quick 60-second break coming up here in a second. You know what? Let's go ahead and knock that out right now. We'll only have one more uh, break later in the show, but I got a lot I want to get to. So right now, let's take a word out for another 60-second break uh, for our title sponsors. Prom Social Poker Club opens daily at 10 a.m. and doesn't close until the last person leaves. Now, that's 24-7, 365 days a year, so you can always get your poker game on at Prime. Also, daily, free play starting at 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. with happy hour from 4 to 9 p.m. They have daily and nightly tournaments with buy-in starting as low as $60 and going as high as $5,000. Now, check this out. Guaranteed prize money as large as $2 million. What are you waiting for? Get in the game. Prime Social Poker Club here locally in Houston, 7801 Westheimer. All right, back. 
We've told you about the endless insights at Inside Edge, but let us tell you about the real gold mine. They're five-star picks, and in the 2021 NFL season, Inside Edge went 34-14 and 14 against the spread for a success rate of 70.8. And now you have access to these five-star picks for only $20 per pick or get the deal of the lifetime. Every five-star pick for the entire year for only $149. Even better, our listeners get a discount of 10% on that access by using code HOUSTON. That's code HOUSTON. All right, we're back at it here on the Houston Football Show. Jason Braddock, thanks for Aaron Wilson, as always. First half of the show, you get a little bit of me and Aaron, where I basically just set him up to give you all kind of informational nuggets, one after another. It's like a 20-piece nuggets, and it's less than $5. Cheaper than McDonald's, and Aaron drops those nuggets every week here on the Houston Football Show. 52 weeks a year, consistently, every Tuesday, 8 p.m. Central Standard Time from Prime Social Poker Club and Inside Edge NFL. All right. So second half of the show, I want to get see with Aaron. Aaron understands so much and has so much information behind the scenes he can't report on and talk about. And I don't ever push him for it. I don't want to get him in trouble with that. And he's such a professional with it. So it'll give you a little bit of tidbit here and a little bit nugget there. But he's not going to really go too far off the reservation as far as um crazy predictions unless he's got it found on information. And that just comes from his many years of journalism and having sourced and researched and backed up sourced information before going live with it. I say all that to say, I didn't go to journalism school. I grew up in a dirt road in South Carolina and graduated high school barely. You know, we'll go with that. After I was off the basketball team, I was like, man, why am I taking these tests? (laughs) What's the logic in that? Well, you come to find out there was a lot of logic. And I should probably should have not fell asleep in the SATs. All right. So looking at the Houston Texans, first off, where I'm going is the NFL trade deadline is two weeks away, two weeks from today, following week eight. And now what I was asking Aaron earlier was setting up a little bit more for the second half of the show of what the Texans can or will do. Is it time to trade off players? And so uh, let you know about the salary cap. Whatever salary savings you get, yes, it can, can roll over if you're not using it. And the Texans are low this year. They're basically going off of operation, um, operational capital for the rest of the year, making moves throughout the year just to have enough uh, cap to continue to operate through in case guys get injured and they have to go out and add more bodies. Well, all that being said, the Texans, and let me credit, I think it was um, Over the Cap. OverTheCap.com has the Texans' seventh in salary cap available in 2023 and first in 2024. And you're like, well, then why are you worried about salary cap? I'm greedy. I'm a greedy, fat pig like the NFL, apparently from Mark Cuban. And so I'm going to save as much and try to bump that seven up as high as possible so Nick Casario can get whatever free agents, do whatever he needs to in the draft. I fully trust him after what I've seen, his evaluations, and you're never eye to eye. But with Nick Casario, man, I've never seen a guy and obviously a staff is more than Nick, but he's got guys around him trust and they kind of see things. And I guess I'm imagine I don't know them personally, but I imagine even when they disagree, there's a respectful conversation and an understanding on each side, the pros and negatives and 
whatever their formula is, is working. You can just look at the 2022 draft and 2023 draft. I mean, they find value and they find diamonds in the rough and they go for stars. They don't care what the outside opinion is on, on some of that. We saw that with Stingley and our perception and concern with the injury history and the Texans saying, this is Daryl Revis. Obviously they didn't say that, but paraphrasing in my words, you know, they think this guy could be Revis and it's not a crazy thought when you draft a guy third, but you're passing on a guy who doesn't have that injury history at fourth and sauce. Both of these guys could be studs. We'll see how it plays out. All right. I say all that to say this, that's my reasoning behind why I believe we could see him sell off players. First off, let me throw two names out there, let you know these guys know. I would be shocked if Laramie Tunsil or Brandon Cooks were traded. There's just too much dead money and minimal savings. And as far as Laramie Tunsil's concerned, why? You have a quarterback, whether it's Davis Mills next year on the third year of his rookie deal as a third-round pick, or if it's the first pick in the draft and you take a quarterback. You have the benefit of having quarterbacks on rookie salary, which allows you to build up the totality of the team around you. I'm working to complete that offensive line that you just added Kenyon Green in. You finally got Titus Howard back where he belongs at right tackle. I want him to stay there for the future for either Davis Mills and Damian Pierce or whoever else the quarterback may be. And I want Laramie Tussle, one of the best, if not the best, pass protectors in the NFL. What sense? does it make to get rid of Laramie Tunsil? Oh, you can get 500 first round picks. Damn them picks. They may not be Laramie Tunsil. The left tackle position with all the spread and all the stretched out offenses, you don't really get NFL type reps on the offensive line. And we're seeing guys that have a larger growth margin uh, and not, not all guys. We've seen guys come in on the offensive line and succeed right away, but on average, you're seeing guys that are just struggling more than they've traditionally done in the past because of the difference in the offense. And we're seeing NFL offense adopt a lot of those college concepts as well. So that's starting to help out. But back to the original point, you've got a guy that may be the best pass protecting left tackle, whether it's for Davis Mills, who's developing in year two and the next year in the year three, or if it's the number one pick or first round quarterback in the draft and your stud fourth round running back, Damian Pierce, complete that offensive line. I'm not subtracting. I'm seeing Kenyon Green in year two. I'm seeing Titus Howard back in at right tackle and Laramie Tunsil back at left tackle, two of the best bookend tackles. That's foundation pieces of an offense where you're going to have a quarterback still on the rookie contract, whether it's Mills or a rookie. The center and guard position, you, you need, instead of creating holes, you need to fill that center and right guard position. That's what I'm looking to do. And the Texans have, so what have you got? Like 12 picks in the first four rounds the next two years? No, don't subtract. Add, make a dynasty. And then, you know, Casario's not going to use all those picks. He's going to move up. He's going to move down. But more importantly, what we've seen, how the Patriots operated with Belichick and Casario, is that when they get picks and a lot of collateral in a draft, they look to stretch that out. And by doing so, it allows them uh, roster flexibility, contracts, and replace expensive vets with young, high-drafted prospects. So Kasseri's going to draft out, I mean, stretch out those draft picks from 23 and 24 to 25 and 26 as long as he can so he can have that collateral to build the team around vets and free agency 
with the uh, young rookies. And when you have this type of evaluation, like I used to always say when Luno and the Astros first started, and now they're on six straight ALCS, congratulations to them, obviously, starting tomorrow against the New York Yankees. Um, the window doesn't close. If you if you have a plus evaluation group, not all things are created equal in scouting. This team scouting department and GM is nowhere close as this team, A and B. I'm not going to put names on it just to paint the picture, though. They're not the same. If you are one of the few scouting departments in any professional uh, sports that have true talent and guys at the top that listen to the voices, like apparently Casario must be doing because they're hitting, 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 and these are foundation pieces. Don't subtract from those foundation pieces. The window doesn't close. You can afford tonsil and Titus, pay Titus, and keep that, keep those bookend ta tackles for Damian Pierce and your rookie quarterback or Dave Davis Mills in year three. All right, let me speed this up a little bit. Defensive end, you got four, four defensive ends that are vets. If the Texans lose the next two games, now it's completely different. They won the next two, they're three, three, and one then no, you're not trading off these guys before the day deadline because there's so much parity in the league. There's so much parity in the AFC South. You can't tell me the Titans, Colts, or Jags are better than the Texans. You especially can't tell me after the Texans tied the Colts and beat the Jags. Uh, but let's look at what these three teams, the Titans have the best record at three and two. They beat one and four Washington. I mean, excuse me, two and four Washington, one and four Las Vegas and two, uh, three, two and one Indianapolis. Who did three, two and one Indianapolis beat? They beat Jacksonville. Uh, who's two and four. They beat Denver, who's two and four. They, and they beat a good Kansas City team. That was actually a surprise. I don't think the Colts are a good team. The Texans already tied them week one and they should have won that game. Got the Jags at two and four. Who'd they beat? They beat the Colts. And then they beat the Chargers. And the Chargers one's not impressive to me. I know the Chargers are four and two. Laid out on Twitter earlier at Jason Braddock with a Y. And also follow my co-host if you're not already at Aaron Wilson underscore NFL. But earlier I tweeted out that, you know, the Chargers four wins. I mean, it's all trash teams. Go, I mean, go, go look at the wins. And I'm saying the Texans among that too. And when I say they're all trash teams, I'm talking about one and two win teams. I can't respect the Chargers, and a lot of these games they shouldn't be winning. But these are 50-50 games that the Texans have allowed to go the other way. If if it continues to go that way and they lose the games and they're 1-5-1 and, and looking at the NFL trade deadline, I'm absolutely, I'm absolutely making calls uh, to trade guys. Uh, Laramie Tunsil, Brandon Cooks, those aren't the guys. It wouldn't make sense for the dead money and the minimal cap savings. And again, on Laramie Tunsil's behalf, no, no. You've got one of the best left tackles. So you've got the best players in the world that play at the NFL, which is the highest level. And then of all the best left tackles in the world, which is one of the toughest positions, you've got the best. And you're like, how do we get rid of this guy? No, I don't need two more first-round picks. The Texans have plenty of first-round picks and seconds. They can accumulate more picks through different ways without giving out one of the best players who's still in his prime. And it's still getting better, actually. I'm seeing them work harder, being nastier in the running game this year. And that's always been the knock is that, uh, quote-unquote, he doesn't care in the running game. And this year, he's erasing that myth. He'll still have a whiff one or two in a game or a mistake in a game. 
but it's so minimal, and he's looking to erase that. Now, I'm not looking to get rid of Tunsil. The guys you look to, if you're 1-5-1 and one at the Texans heading into the deadline, look at the vets on that defensive end position. Teams that are pursuing Super Bowl championship, they will gobble up these contracts and give you um, – give you a late conditional pick, whether it's a sixth or seventh round pick. I really don't care. Uh, if you can get an extra six or seven, the Texans already have four six round picks in 2023. But if you can get it, if you get a, if you can get them to give you a fifth in 2025, yeah, you know, or in 2026, keep building it for the future and everything because these players aren't going to factor into your season. And I'd rather see young guys come in from the practice squad or all of other practice squads and get those reps and can continue to develop and get better for the future. But those four vet guys, any two of these guys, the Texans can move if they're sitting at one, five, and one. Rasheen Green, Mario, uh, Mario Addison, Jerry Hughes, Ogbo, Ogbo. Why would you keep all four of those guys? Oh, you got to get through the season. If you're one, five, and one, throw a body in there, play for the draft pick and call it a day, save those cap savings, roll over the prorated portion, and get you whatever conditional pick back you can. I don't care if you put it out to 25 or 26 because you're so deep in 23 and 24. And teams will throw away a 2025 fifth rounder as if it has no value at this point to try to pursue a title in 2022. So the Texans. I think Casario plays chess where a lot of people play checkers. You know, we overstate that a lot. I think it's true in this. And I don't think Nick Casario took this job thinking about 2022, 2023. I think Nick Casario thought about this job one year in the future, five year in the future, 10 year in the future. I think he took this job saying, I want to build a Patriots dynasty. If you want to laugh at that and don't believe it, that's fine. But I believe that's probably what his mindset is. If he has the confidence in him, which he probably does after the reign of success, in the Patriots for decades. Other guy, another vet guy, Christian Kirksey, similarly dead money. Well, you're talking probably about a million, million and a quarter dead money. And that may be prorated because at this point, we're talking about being eight weeks into the season. But uh, and these numbers are from over the cap. If you want to go and just see the numbers, so I'm kind of just illustrating a picture for you. But that cap savings is usually about two million, two million plus for these guys. Kirksey's another guy I would move on for him, move around Christian Harris, Garrett Wallow, let Jake Hansen get in the mix. Yeah, Jake Hansen. Any and if they got a young linebacker on another practice squad they like, I'd scoop them up, throw them in there, let him get reps. You're not playing for wins. You're playing for reps and on-the-job training and make that defense find as many young core pieces uh, as you can for the future and then go into free agency, plug those holes in the draft, know where you're going to plug as well too. Cornerback, Steven Nelson, I think it's a great contract. I think Nick Casero taught a master class getting uh, the Nick, uh, excuse me, the Steven Nelson contract uh, late in the free agency wave, way after the first wave of free agency to come in and get that. And you're like, well, he could help out in the future. No, I need the Texans go invest another first, second or third round pick on another corner. Someone that's strong enough. He might not have to be Derek Stingley Jr., but somebody who's strong enough because if Stingley turns into Revis and what they want him to be, if he turns into Stingley Allen, then that other corner better be solid. He better be solid. And the money you got to pay for a top free agent, um, top of the line corner, uh, I, I don't think they want to get into that. So I think you need to use a high first round pick on a cornerback. But we'll talk in the, about the priority later in the show today as well. 
Lastly, Desmond King. Desmond has play, played well. He has a cap number close to $4.5 million next year. If you're at 1-5-1, and one, you're not playing for this, get out from under that. I don't even care if it's a conditional seventh-round pick that turns into air uh, as long as you get that $4.5 million hit off of you because you'll have Tavier Thomas if you decide he's part of your future. You, uh, you just got several different pieces, and then you got the draft and free agency where you could go younger there as well. All right. Last couple segments of the show coming up. Before uh, before we get to that, though, let me tell you about Inside Edge. One of our title sponsors, Inside Edge. A little bit about their background. Almost 30 years ago, now everyone's into analytics and you saw the movie Moneyball. Well, that's Inside Edge. 27 years ago, they started partnering with Major League Baseball clubs, providing that analytical data that is spread not only through baseball, but through every sport. They do it for the NBA now, Major League Baseball, college football. Uh, you, call, you name it, Inside Edge is that extra. They provide this information to your favorite websites, PR department, and like I said, the sports organizations as well, too. And you'll see me tweet out stats on Twitter at Jason Braddock from Inside Edge, their unique stats and everything. They now make this same information or some of it available to you for free at MyInsideEdge.com. So head over to MyInsideEdge.com and check that information out. While you're there, though, check out their five-star picks. Last season, 2021-2022 NFL season, they were 34-14 and 14 against the spread. That's a 71% sex, excuse me, success rate. Uh, those five-star picks, they only charge $20 per pick. But you might as well go ahead and take the deal of the lifetime. You get the entire season of picks for only $149. That's Inside Edge. Check them out at MyInsideEdge.com. All right, a little bit left on this Season 1, Episode 13 edition. Uh, Texas do have the Raiders on deck. We laid that out a little bit. I've told you uh, Aaron's on the Raiders. He thinks it will be a close one here. I've got the Texans this week. I think the Texans do uh, find a way to flip this 50-50 game. I know all the weapons the Raiders have. but the Raiders at one and four have a rest worse record than the Texans at one, three, and one. Just because of those names, they're getting the benefit of the doubt. They're going to turn it around. Oh, what week? It's this week. It's this week. Well, we're going into week seven, and they're still saying it's going to be this week. And they're looking at the Texans like the Texans should be looking at the Raiders, chop liver, like, oh man. They're one and four. They're one of the worst teams. They're worse than us. And the Texans have had those games. They've been in every single one of that. And they're playing the AFC West, the conference that the Raiders are in, that they're losing to these teams in. And they're playing the AFC South. <laughs> so you have this crossover between these teams, but it's just our belief of who we thought the Raiders would be coming into the season, our belief who we thought the Texans would be is why it's probably everyone's going to be on the Raiders to win this game. But I think the Texans win this game. I think it'll be a close one. I think the Texans uh, have made those adjustments we've seen leading into the Jacksonville win. And I think the Texans beat the Raiders. If they don't know, Let's stay on that same vein we were talking about. 1-5-1. and one. They lose this game and lose to the Titans. They're 1-5-1. and one. If they win the next two, three, three, and one, they're in the AFC South Hunt. You're going full steam ahead. You're making, you know, you're making the decisions to try to go to the playoffs. The picks are what the picks are. If you're ever in the hunt, anything can happen in the playoffs. And I know how great the Bills look. Injuries happen, crazy things happen every year. Yes, you can surprise if you can just win your division. And this year, you're in the hunt because none of these other teams in the AFC South are great, and they haven't beaten anybody that makes you think they're great. If the Chiefs wins, the Charger wins, they're good wins. But it's not the identity of the team. They were just any given Sunday wins. 
the Texans will be, uh, you know, or should be in the hunt in these next two games and have a chance to get back in the AFC South. But we talked about that earlier. I gave you my views on that. Now, if they lose these next two games, I know fans are getting itchy, like, yeah, they're still one, three, and one. They've got all these picks, all this collateral, and they want to get excited, start to look forward to that. So let's play this game a little bit more. In the last segment coming up next, I'm going to tell you about where the Texans should be looking at, what positions in the draft and free agency, and go into that a little bit more and let you know about the draft picks they have as well. But first off, let's talk about the current roster and the current team and how the identity of the team changes if the Texans are sitting at 1-5-1 and and lose these next two games. Davis Mills, well, you heard Aaron earlier in the show talking about Davis Mills has been being used as a game manager. Yeah, that's what we thought the belief would be this year. Bring him in as a game manager, try to win the games. Well, if they continue to do that and they lose these next two, there should be a switch in how Davis Mills is used. They will need to see if he's the guy. While they're still playing, they win this week. Keep throwing out the game manager. You lose the next two, you won five and one. I don't need to see Davis Mills, the game manager anymore. I need to see Davis Mills attacking wide receivers, downfield, uh, throwing the wide receivers throughout the game and showing if he can be the guy. Because at that point, I don't care if he has interceptions. I don't care if he can be safe with the ball. I want to know if he can win you games. And we don't know that yet. I'm fine not knowing that. And I understand uh, why the Texans use him as a game manager because you're still in play this season in that AFC South division. But going forward, if two more losses, Mills is no longer game manager. You need to see if he's the guy. Damian Pierce, vice versa here, switch from Davis Mills. We already know Damian Pierce is the guy. I need to see him start ramping down if the Texans are 1-5-1. and one. I don't need to see 30 touches. If the Texans are 1-5-1 and one at that point, I say the rest of the season, he doesn't have more than 10 to 15 touches a game, max. I don't care if you're on the verge of winning a game. Put Burkett in. That's when you put Burkett in. Hey, guys, you know, we're down three. We're one, eight, and one this year, but we got a chance to win this game. All right, fourth quarter, where's Pierce? Pierce is in there in the hyperbolic chamber. He's got some coming to the America chicks in there, like cleaning royal stuff, feeding him grapes. Like, I don't even need him on the field if you're one, eight, and one. But in all seriousness, though, 10 to 15 touches max. If you're at one, five and one, don't don't give up the blessing of him being so rarely used in college. Continue to use that and bring you in another another back next year. Bring you in another back that can be that complement to Pierce so you can get a longer career out of him. The Patriots have been great with that. That's what they always do. They always have uh, uh it's typically around that third round, give or take around, that they'll get a back. They just continue to add to the mix. They added two more this year. So I, 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 I feel fairly good that we'll see the Patriots go that, that way. Also, though, but if you're limiting Damian Pierce, who takes his other uh, reps? Yeah, I'm joking about Rex Burkhead, but then at that point, get Dory in there. Get Royce in there. You should be doing this anyway to see if you got something there as a receiving back role. And also, let's see what Jared Dokes can do. If you're 1-5-1, it's about finding out what this team is for the future and the hopes of being a playoff team yearly going into the future. You need to find some of these diamonds in the rough. You need to find if any of these vets have some toughness left that deserve to be a third or fourth running back on the roster. Tyler Johnson. 
Texas need to see if Tyler Johnson can upgrade wide receiver three. Chris Chris Moore was amazing last year. 21 catches, 22 targets. This year he's got a couple drops. Brandon Cooks has got a few drops. The Texas wide receivers got seven drops as a group. One of one of the worst wide receiver groups as far as drops. But You've got Tyler Johnson, and we don't know any more now going into week seven as we did in you know when they when they acquired him. Um, if he can be a wide receiver three, we know what Chris Moore is. He's a serviceable wide receiver three, wide receiver four, wide receiver five, somewhere in that group. He's in the mix. Dorset, I don't need to see anything else from Dorset. He he's barely on the field and he caused more problems and issue, missed blocks and drop passes and everything else, holding calls. Then he does actually catching the ball where I think he's got, what, one catch this year? He doesn't even need to be on the roster, in my opinion. Uh, anyway, moving forward, if they lose the next two games, Tyler Johnson should be that number three wide receiver uh, at least for a few games to see if he can be that guy next year and get into the mix. If they lose the next two games, all four practice squad receivers should be in the mix the second half of the season. Jalen Camp, Johnny Johnson III, Davion Davis, and Drew Estrada. And so you want to see those. And this is kind of where the roster kind of changes depending on how these next two games go. That's, you know, rarely say uh, we're going into week seven. It's pivotal, pivotal time. It's extremely pivotal for the Texans. The identity of the 2022 Texans will go either left or right, weave one way or the other in their identity and what they do the rest of the season based off of these next two games that are both winnable games. And that's why I'm laying it out like this. Uh, not only the practice squad receivers or the practice squad running backs, but just younger guys in general should start getting more reps over the vets if they're sitting there at 1-5-1. One, and one. Vets can be moved more to death pieces. And like I said, if you are at one five and one before the deadline, uh, they can be moved just to free up that salary, roll over some cap, and possibly get some future picks back. Right guard center, you're one five and one. Go ahead and try to get an early start on that right guard center position. Go out there and talk to a team, and even if they've got their claws in a guy on their practice squad, tell them no. You can get live game reps this year, right now, especially for somebody's on a playoff type team sitting on their practice squad, right guard or center that the Texans like coming out. Go scoop and tell them he's going to get starting reps this year. If you're sitting there at one five and one, and move these guys, you can move on from Justin McCray's contract. Just move on, yeah, just move on from it. If you're at one five and one, obviously you're not going to do that if you're three three and one. Uh, but that right guard and center position, I look for more permanent permanent guys especially if you can find a guy let's say let's use an example like i'm assuming alec lindstrom went undrafted i'm assuming he's still on the cowboys practice squad i like the guy maybe i'm wrong if they liked him though it would be zero reason not to at one five and one to cut justin mccray save the salary rollover to the cap um and the prorated portion i should say of that salary that's left and bring in Alec Lindstrom and let him get live game reps this year and see if he can be somebody. It might save you from having to use a pick at a position next year. And so I just wanted to illustrate that. Now let's move on to the meat of the bone. Last segment of the night, a peek at the roster where Houston may be looking to improve in the 2023 NFL draft and free agency. <clears throat> All this um, contract information I use from over the cap, as I mentioned earlier, Texas are seventh in cap space in 2023, first in 2024. Uh, in the next two drafts, the Texans have four first round picks, two seconds, three thirds, three fourths. I mean, you're talking 12 picks in the first four rounds. These are like starters, some elite players, obviously, with the first and high top 10 picks that could possibly come. Starters, 
uh, key backups. I mean, like you're talking really defining and building that roster 12 top four rounds in the next two years in the draft. And then they got 10 picks in the fifth through seventh round where you can find those special teamers, some diamond in the rough, oh, so on and so on. You know, we've seen we've seen it happen, obviously, throughout the years. But there's just so much there. Obviously, he's not going to use all of those picks. He'll move around. And as I told you earlier, I expect him to stack future picks as well. So what you have in 23 and 24, you can possibly have in 25 and 26 just by moving different pieces. And as uh, with all these draft picks, you can remove as as your vet stars get longer in the tooth, you can move those $20 million contracts and replace them on rookie deals with all the picks that you continue to get. And by trading those players, it becomes like a yin and yang. By continuing to build those vet players and building them up from the ground up and in three, four, five years, whatever it may be, uh, allowing to trade those off and acquire more picks, it just keeps that wheel spinning. And you can see if you just look at what the Texans are doing and what Nick Casario uh, and Belichick have done in the past and what the, it looks like they're doing here in Houston, yes, obviously he's trying to get to that first Super Bowl. I know it's not going to be 2022, obviously, but uh, he's trying to get that first Super Bowl. But he's already, and his, his personnel and the people that come from a winning culture are thinking like, after we win that first Super Bowl, how do we sustain this for Super Bowl three? How do we sustain this for a dynasty like the Patriots or here locally like the Astros? And I know they haven't won the championships and stuff, but sit straight ALCS. Most baseball franchises or any sports franchise would beg to be in that hunt every year and hope to come away with more. And that's why they're back at it in 2022. Texas next. I mean, excuse me, Astros next up against the Yankees, and hopefully they knock that off. All right. So. All those draft picks, free agency, all the money available, this may surprise you. I'm going to prioritize where they go in the draft. You're going to say, Jason, first has to be quarterback. Well, if Davis Mills isn't the answer. I know everybody, we're so want to be the first to say he's not the guy or he is the guy. And then when he's right, we can go back and point out, we well, said this. He, I told you he was the guy. Oh, I told you he was trash. No, the fact of the matter is there's 12 more games straight. No more bye weeks. He's got 12 more games this year to show enough. Last um, Two weeks ago, Davis Mills was different than the first two weeks, Davis Mills. He's still growing and developing. He's still making mistakes. Um, and this, is, this isn't a new revelation. This is what we knew due to the lack of experience he had in college and why he was available in the third. But it's because he was going to have to get live bullets in the NFL to get the development that he didn't get in college. And so some of the struggles you expect, but you want to see progression, and we're seeing that each week. Will that continue on? He's got 12 more games, and he doesn't have the – and those 12 games, he doesn't have to make the Texans realize that he's the guy and never have to take a guy in the first round. He has to make them think enough that, all right, we can get through another year, or maybe he is the guy enough to where they don't take a quarterback in the first round in 2023 they could go in 2024 and as far as we know they may restock and be able to go in 2025 so i don't think that decision has to be expedited they can kick that can down the road but as where we're at right now if you want my fair assessment no they're they're not kicking that can down the road they're probably going quarterback early but that's an early assessment he's got 12 more games and he's developing so let's see over these next 12 games what davis mills we get and then we'll decide if he doesn't show better 
and consistently and that he can be the guy. Yeah, quarterback's priority one going into 2023. Moving on from that, as we all know that, uh, edge. The edge position, the Texans haven't added to this position with a first or second round pick since 2014. The last three edge, uh, excuse me, last four edge players they drafted was Jonathan Grenard in 2020, 90th overall, obviously different regime. Uh, in the third round, 20, a year before 2019, they took Charles Amenahue, 161st overall in the fifth round. 2018, Duke Ezrafor, 177th overall in the sixth round. Uh, the last guy before that was 2014, Jadavion Clowney, first pick in the draft. And, yes, I know, well, well, they had J.J. Watt. They had Whitney Merciless. Yeah, that was probably part of the problem. They kept holding on to J.J. Watt for sentimental value and never got return on investment for him, even though they knew the decline had started years earlier. And then they just let him walk, never getting any type of return on him. And then Clowney was always hurt. Clowney still hasn't learned how to play through. You hear in the NFL, one of the first things you hear players told is that, you got to know the difference between being hurt and injured. Well, with Clowney, he never understood how to play being being hurt. He everything that happens, he always felt like he was injured and couldn't play, and it still happens to the day. And he never had a passion to improve technique. Mike Vrabel, when he was his position coach in Houston, that was the biggest growth Clowney showed. And he's like, oh man, he's turning the corner. After Vrabel moved on and moved up from positional coach, and he didn't have all that one on one time, Clowney, Clowney regressed back to who he always was just a lazy, what D4 caught him in the draft coming out, a blind dog in the meat market. And so, uh, sorry, I got off track a little bit there with the clowny years and how disappointing that was. But uh, the sentiment is that the Texans are long overdue to invest in edge. They edge has to be top priority if quarterbacks not moving on from that. The center position, if they don't find that guy off of another practice squad or in free agency next year, the center position has to be upgraded. The interior of this offensive line is hurting Davis Mills and is hurting the running game. Uh, Damon Pierce is able to overcome it. Davis Mills is not able to overcome it. Next year's rookie quarterback, you wouldn't want to have to overcome uh, a soft interior offensive line. So they will need to look at the interior. That's the next priority. You're talking about the center. Uh, you know what I mean? Every single play touching the ball, snapping at the quarterback, calling out, calling out protections and everything. So I have that as a priority right behind edge. Obviously, I believe in building up from the trenches here. Next is that D tackle position. They need a Vince Wilfork. And obviously you're talking about, oh, you need you need Casario to find another Wilfork. That ain't happening. I mean, do so rare, but they need to find a guy. Obviously, you're not going to find a clone of Wilford, but you need to find something close. Someone who can actually anchor in the middle, but also create interior pressure where it can get out and make, move the quarterback from the spot from the interior. But if two and even three guys come, you weren't moving Wilford. You, he took the center of that line and you would have to go around. If you created that with this Texans defense, you would be surprised the domino effect of how much better better this defense is with the with the way they attack and play wide and also with the edge the edge with that Wilford type D tackle those two together man and, and now you've got Stingley on the back end that can do man and they're uh, working into being one of the better zone corners he just needs those reps and the way he tackles I mean the dude tackles like textbook it's insane to watch he's violent with it and doesn't miss 
All right, so after that D-tackle position, you get that Wilford guy. I think that next priority uh, is the wide receiver position. They need a bona fide number one. Uh, Cooks is not the guy he was five years ago, not the guy he was two years ago. They need that bona fide number one. Even if Nico Collins becomes the guy they hope he becomes, even if John Mechie comes back and returns and is the guy, having that bona fide number one just adds a benefit, added, added bonus to Nico and Mechie's game and then whatever tight end you add. Cornerback position. They have to add another cornerback position. I have this coming in uh, right below wide receiver just because whether it's Mills or a rookie quarterback, uh, you, you've got to get them a true number one that can win, can win along. And if they decide to stuff Damian Pierce, they can make them pay. And then that just, again, adds more value to Mechie and Nico Collins. After that cornerback, I mean, after the wide receiver position, you got to get another cornerback. Somebody has to be playing opposite of Singley that's strong. And you have to have somebody in the in that slide uh, that's strong. So they've got some guys that maybe can man that. But that other outside corner position, you need someone that can be attacked. Uh, Stephen Nelson is not, not a long-term fix. Excuse me. Uh, it's great value, great deal. Awesome signing by Casario, especially where he got him. But it's not a long-term fix. Stingley, if he's going to turn into what Casario and Lovey want him to be, they have to have somebody opposite of him that can withstand the beating. Because if you look up and you've got a guy on Stingley, you've got a, and you're going to throw that other direction. If you look up and you got Revis on somebody, most of the time they were throwing a different direction. Well, that other guy has to be able to withstand it. You know, a lot of times Revis had Antonio Camardi one. Uh, he was playing at a high level. At the cornerback, we go back to that offensive line position, right guard. You've got to fix the entire interior. You've you've got your tackles. You've got your left guard in Kenyon, center, right guard. Complete that offensive line, and whether it's Mills or a rookie quarterback, oh man, you just give them such an advantageous advantageous bonus to taking their current skill set. Even if they're not Josh Allen, you allow their current skill set to flourish and maybe play above their means. And get you know get every bit of juice out of out of each player on your roster just by completing that offensive line. After that right guard position, tight end, dual threat tight end. They have to find that guy that can be trusted in the run game, trusted in pass protection, and trusted on routes. Uh, quickly, two more here. We're going to go ahead and run through in the show on this. I thank you for listening to the Houston Football Show with Aaron Wilson and Jason Braddock. And those last two are the linebacker position. Like what I've seen from Garrett Wallow, can he stay healthy? Uh, he's going to get a lot more run over these next 12 games. Christian Harris is coming back. You hope he's a foundation piece. Aaron Wilson told us that at the beginning of the show. He expects that he may be up this week. Actually expects him to be up this week. So we'll keep an eye out for that. Who's that third musketeer? Who's going to be that third guy? That linebacker position will probably come in priority behind that, uh, behind the tight end position and then running back. I know I say you got to get that running back. I, it's just a priority on all those other positions. What you got in Damian Pierce, you're probably going to have to push that back down to another fourth-round pick or fifth-round pick. Uh, you found it in Damian Pierce, and I, you can typically find that type of value on a running back. Not not saying Damian Pierce, but uh, fourth to sixth round, you can find some stud backs. And I think that's where the Texans will need to go to. That's that last priority uh, there for the Houston Texans as they go into that uh, – 
NFL draft or free agency, which they'll probably answer a lot of these needs before that. But they will need to get that young running back. You remember the Panthers back there? I talked about the Patriots one and how they do a great job of drafting Damian Harris, drafted J.J. Taylor, or maybe he was undrafted, uh, bringing in J.J. Taylor. Drafting Ramadre Stevenson, bringing in, uh, oh, God, who is it this year? Kevin, is it Kevin Taylor? Uh, They drafted two more backs. It's just so much. Every year they add into the mix of bringing in backs because it's a young man's game. And so the Texans have to start bringing that formula here. And if they could get something like what the Panthers had with D'Angelo Williams and Jonathan Stewart, whether it's Mills or a rookie quarterback, and with a complete O-line in front of it, man, you're really starting to find build the foundation of a dominant offense once that quarterback position is solidified. That's my thoughts. I know people were asking and getting a little curious with the Texans sitting at 1-3-1, and one, add a bye. If this gets ugly, you see the Texans have the fourth pick. You see the Texans have the sixth pick. What could that actually mean? Well, I, t- I laid out now. I'm not going to go into draft assessments and evaluation for quite some time. But I wanted to give you a little bit of a peek as we come off this bye that if this gets ugly over the next two weeks, Start looking towards that future because this thing can really start getting excited, and that's how I would prioritize where they really need to add talent in the draft and free agency. I want to thank you for your time. I want to thank Mark Larson from iLogic Media for producing tonight. For my co-host, Aaron Wilson, this is Jason Braddock from the Houston Football Show. Uh, Congrats to the Houston Astros taking on the New York Yankees. Six straight ALCS bring home another title to the H and congrats to the Houston Rockets and their young core kicking off the season. Both of those events start tomorrow night. It's going to be an exciting week in the H. Enjoy your sports, Houston. This has been the Houston Football Show brought to you by Prime Social Poker Club and Inside Edge.